Hey there, welcome to the Metro Minute, where if you're looking for current trends in public education, you're in the right place. This week's topic, trends, challenges, and new hope for schools. Join Melissa Baker, Executive Director of the Metro Bureau, and Dr. Maria Gissinger of Baker Tilly as they discuss trends and challenges schools are facing in areas regarding labor shortages, the school funding climate, including restrictions and needs for the retirees' workforce, and even some work to support the social-emotional needs of students through the use of therapy dogs in schools. So today we'd like to welcome Dr. Maria Gissinger, um, a consultant with Baker Tilly, as well as a former school business official who has so much expertise in this area. So at this time, Maria, I'd like to turn it over to you just to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your professional background. Well, thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Yes, I consult with Baker Tilly. We are financial advisors for school districts and municipalities, and we help schools plan for capital improvement projects. Prior to my placement with Baker Tilly, I was a public school finance official. I have over 30 years of experience, and I retired at the end of 2019 from Brighton area schools. And Educationally, I hold a PhD from Michigan State University in Educational Administration, and I also have a CPA license. Wonderful. Well, again, we appreciate you being here. And I know one of the topics we wanted to touch on today are are some of the challenges that school districts are facing, um, especially in the labor shortage area. Yes, I think the biggest challenge that schools are facing today is actually the lack of staffing and key positions throughout the district. It's kind of like the wild, wild west out here right now. But the pandemic has taken its toll on the education profession. And post-pandemic, schools are just trying to pick up the pieces. I was recently out on a couple of the websites that have open school positions posted. And just a quick tally There are about 637 jobs posted around the entire state, of which 350 of them are teaching jobs. And the rest of the positions that are open represent all areas of school operations, like custodial, maintenance, paraprofessionals, bus drivers, food service workers, the finance area, and as well as human resources. In my area of expertise alone, there are 43 job postings. And so it's very, very difficult for schools to find qualified candidates to fill these positions. And I think some of the reasons for that are that many educators have left the profession because of the pandemic and the issues surrounding that that schools struggled with. And I've been learning more about schools offering like $10,000 signing bonuses just to get qualified staff to come to their schools to work. I'm also hearing that some schools are having a hard time attracting, for instance, school bus drivers. And so they're paying upwards of $30 an hour to attract uh, qualified school bus drivers, which is also drawing bus drivers away from other schools who may be paying less. So it's kind of like a zero-sum game where we're trading employees from one district for another. And what we're seeing in the teaching profession is that trying to attract teachers to certain school districts require schools to offer steps to incoming teachers, which they may not have offered in the past, particularly seasoned teachers who may be coming from one school to the other. And in some cases, new hires in new school districts are being placed on steps that are 
higher than existing employees who've been working in the district for years. So it's causing an issue with equity um, in pay amongst teachers. And we're also seeing that there's multiple postings with qualified applicants. Many school districts will post a position, not find a qualified applicant, and then have to post that job multiple times, like two and three times, and still coming up empty-handed because the pool is just very shallow. And as I had previously mentioned, we can see schools shifting employees from school to school as as a zero-sum game. And so schools are having to increase their salary offerings to attract candidates for these positions that they have had multiple postings for and can't find a qualified candidate. And so they're finding that they're offering the people that have left those jobs what a new candidate, it would require to attract a new candidate. And it's a salary range that perhaps the old candidate would have stayed in the district for. And so there's a little bit of poaching going on from school to school trying to find qualified candidates. And then just dealing with the learning loss related to the pandemic has been very challenging. Obviously, schools have standardized testing. And so these results are coming back and they're less than desirable, but it's related to the learning loss. And so there's a lot of mitigation that needs to go on for teachers to catch students up so that they're on point with where they left off prior to the pandemic. And all of this is resulting in less students going into the education profession. I also teach as an adjunct in some colleges that uh, prepare teachers and principals for administrative positions and enrollment. And many of these teacher colleges is way down. And so there's just less desire for people to go into the profession. And, you know, Melissa, you and I have been at this a long time. We've seen many cycles of this happening where there's a lot of teachers and no jobs or a lot of jobs and no teachers. It just depends on the environment and currently lots of jobs and no teachers. And that's presenting some challenges. And then more people are finding gainful employment in what we refer to as like the gig economy, where they can set their own hours or work remotely. And that is becoming very attractive to some people because as we're finding out, that the skills learned in the teaching profession translate really well to other areas of business. So there could be teachers that are just leaving the profession altogether to have a more flexible work schedule and be able to have the options of working remotely. And then also, too, not only are people not coming to the education profession, but there are shortages in labor in all areas of the economy And so the lack of childcare is also keeping some of people out of the workforce. I know I personally provide childcare for my grandchildren who are unable to find childcare. And a lot of my um, colleagues that are of my age also provide childcare for several days a week to their grandchildren as well. So it is a pretty predominant concern right now. And then unfortunately, we're dealing with school safety concerns that have hit a little too close to home. And so all of these issues all rolled up just kind of right now currently are affecting the staffing that schools are experiencing. Maria, I think you've touched on everything that I've been hearing from um, our colleagues in the districts that we work with throughout the state, um, as well as 
um, educators nationally. Um, I think this goes beyond Michigan, obviously, all these issues. Um, so many concerns. The teacher shortage is um, paramount. And I think you're so correct when you talk about the transfer of skills that people can bring into other you know, positions, too. So, um, you know, a lot of the work that we're doing at the universities, too, are how do we how do we not only have uh, individuals go into the teaching pro- profession, but then the retention area as well, too. And another key piece I know that, you know, we've talked about before is how the state funding is kind of affecting schools currently, too, within this this piece. So could you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So the state funding climate is obviously another area of, of concern. Property values have been on a wild ride, but we're hearing a recession is coming. And I'm not sure what that will do to our school funding. A portion of the state aid funding is based on income taxes and less employees translate to less income taxes. So if employment is down, then purchasing or buying by the consumer will be down, which will also decrease sales tax revenue, which will be a direct hit to the school aid fund. There's also been some changes in legislation that have affected the educational profession. And some of them is our old legislation from previous administrations. For instance, there was a shifting of healthcare costs to the employee which is making working in public schools less profitable for the employee, as well as eliminating the defined benefit contribution retirement plan, which makes our retirement plan portable. So there's no longer the golden handcuffs, if you will, where people were staying in their positions to invest in the retirement system and then just staying in through retirement. Now, because of the changes in the retirement plan, it's more modeling a 401k or like a for-profit retirement plan where it's portable. You can pick that up and go to your next employer. So particularly in the finance area, which is my area of expertise, a lot of candidates are being attracted away from public schools to corporate where they can perhaps make more money, but they also can pick up that retirement and go. So it's making their employment a little bit more permeable between education and the corporate world. And just recently, there's been a new law that lifts the earnings limitations on retired personnel to be able to alleviate a lot of these staffing shortcomings and having retired people come back into schools to help being substitute teachers and things like that just to keep schools operating. But the new legislation requires a nine month waiting period before qualified returnees can return or qualified retirees can return to the workforce. And so that's also slowing down being able to staff some of these subpositions because some teachers that retire, for instance, on June 30, aren't able to come back and sub in schools for nine months, which may push off that employment for into the next school year. So that is also creating a gap in the staffing of public schools. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more challenges with that new legislation that we haven't faced yet um, in terms of a teacher being rehired potentially with already having tenure and all those other components too. So it's kind of like a unfortunate stay tuned. Um, We need the workforce, but there's a lot more that's going to be occurring with that. So I guess, Maria, I know you touched on a little bit about the school safety piece, but I know one of your passions um, as we close is to share a little bit about what you've seen with the support of therapy dogs and how they're helping in schools. I'd love to hear you share a little bit with our listeners about that. 
Yes, Melissa, therapy dogs are a topic that are near and dear to my heart. And, you know, as I had previously mentioned, we've had some school safety concerns that have hit a little close to home. We've been working with a school nearby that has been in crisis related to this issue. And the district that I retired from, which was Brighton Area Schools, was the first school district in the state of Michigan to have a very robust therapy dog program. We had a therapy dog in every single building. And what happens when nearby schools have crises, a lot of the employees from the public school, Brighton, will take their dogs into the schools that are currently experiencing this crisis. And so we had taken a number of dogs to the schools that have had school safety concerns. And so that has been a very great program. We started a GoFundMe um, program for the school that had been afflicted and We've raised over $100,000 so that they too can start a robust therapy dog program. And also you can see schools are writing policy related to therapy dogs and trying to get dogs in their schools to help students through their issues. And I've seen firsthand the wonderful work that these dogs do in healing students. And it really is just something, like I say, that's very near and dear to my heart. Well, as I've been working with districts too, Maria, I hear the social emotional piece is so um, important right now, as well as the academic piece for our students to make up that learning loss, but it's the social emotional piece that has to come first. So I appreciate all that you do, Maria, in our schools and in the state with your work, um, what Baker Tilly does, and um, just our partnership with the Metro Bureau too. So um, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share as we close today? No, Melissa, but thank you for having me and happy holidays to everybody. Wonderful. Happy holidays. Thanks for being with us. Take care, all. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for the Metro Minute. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always helping schools communicate with their communities. By the way, we love to see your comments or questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications of our latest content. Don't forget to visit us on the web at MetroBureau.org for everything trending in public education in southeastern Michigan. See you next time for the Metro Minute.